Our second reading this morning is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand if he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be swift to bear witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers in their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who trust, who thrust aside the alien, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, have not perished. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will anyone rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. This is the word of God for we're the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord of all that is, It is not by our own strength and power that we are able to speak of you, but only by your grace and love. Give us that grace now to hear and receive the message you have for us today. Amen. As my family can attest to, I'm not a big fan of leftovers. You know, each night after dinner, we dutifully pack up those portions in containers and place them in the fridge, and days might pass, and I conveniently forget that what we've cooked so that I can just, you know, just cook something new. It tastes better. Who wants to eat squishy pasta or rice when you can eat a fresh, nicely cooked grain? And who wants to eat overcooked broccoli when, when you cook the broccoli fresh, it has that nice, crisp crunch to it? Jason and I often attempt to remind each other that there is food in the refrigerator that needs to be eaten. But more often than not, I will find a reason to at least have, you know, one new item for dinner. Sometimes I would rather make myself a bowl of cereal than eat a piece of breaded chicken that has lost its crunch. Now, holiday leftovers are a different story, right? 
But even those, you know, for me, you know, once or twice, that's usually enough. And while leftovers in and of themselves, of course, aren't a bad thing, they often don't taste quite as good or have the same pizzazz as when they were first cooked. And it brings us to the question of the day. Does God like leftovers? Today, as we begin our stewardship series talking about money, we're talking today about tithing. Now, in the church, we tend to tread very lightly when we start talking about money. Money is personal. Money is controversial. (laughs) When we have it, uh, so many doors open to us. And when we don't have it, well, a lot of hardship can ensue. In some of our families, we rarely discussed issues of money, let alone discussed it with our friends or people in the church. But you know, the Bible actually talks quite a bit about money and possessions. It's as if God knew that we would need a lot of guidance and direction when it comes to the stuff that we gain and utilize. Deuteronomy 14 lays out the law of the tithe, saying, Reserve a tenth part of whatever your fields produce and consume it in the presence of the Lord. The first tenth of the harvest was dedicated to God. And of course, that law is outlined in other places in the Old Testament, like Leviticus, where landowners and farmers are asked to bring the first tenth of the harvest to the temple and give it to God. Of course, things have drastically changed since biblical times. I mean, things have drastically changed in the past hundred years. Think about your parents and your grandparents, how they lived. Likely, some of them were farmers. They grew their own profit. They not only grew what they would use to make a little bit of money for their families, but they raised and grew what they ate. I know because I've talked to some of you about the gardens that um, maybe your parents or your grandparents have had. Some of your relatives probably built their own homes, and many of them never retired because whoever had enough money to, to do that anyway. A farmer knows something that we do not know. A farmer knows that the money he makes is not a result of his own hands. Yes, they prepared the soil, planted the seeds, cared for the seedlings, and and those grown plants harvested, maybe sold what the crop was. But what they sold was not really the fruit of their own hand, but of the hands of God. For who can make a seed sprout or a drop of rain fall, or a calf be born healthy and grow? The farmer knows that every cent in his pocket is not merely luck or hard work, but the gracious provision of God. Even though many of us have worked differently for the money in our bank accounts, we still owe God the credit. God instilled in us gifts and passions and strengths and abilities that when we use, that we use to work, but all too often we believe that it is by our power alone that we earn the profit. The truth is that every bit of work we do is an outcropping of God's grace in our lives, giving us the ability to have what we need. 
God might plant in, in a person the gift of a good palate and that person cultivates it and as a result becomes a great chef. But that was God's gift. God uh, might give you the gift of vision. You cultivate that gift, seeing how things fit together. And you might become an excellent engineer, spotting the problem and learning how to creatively fix it. When we look at life this way, we can begin to see that we all have and possess, that all we have and possess is based in God's gift to us. Enter Malachi, right? Uh, the prophet whose name needs God, means God's messenger. Malachi is telling the people who have now returned from exile and been blessed beyond measure that they are not returning thanks in the way that they should. He reminds the people, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have deviated from my laws and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Their lives must reflect the love, their love for God. And yet, as Malachi speaks to them, he's noting that the way that they're currently acting, their actions reveal a love for self. The people have not lived for God. They have forgotten that commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and mind and strength, where all of the rest of the laws come from. And Malachi says, you know, this is not the way you are living. They are giving God the leftovers. Research shows that the more money someone makes, the less they give away. Now, this is probably quite a surprise to you, but in a study done um, not too long ago, it shows that folks that make less than $25,000 a year give away 7.7% of their income, but folks who make more than $200,000 a year gave only 2.8%. Having more money can actually make it less likely for us to give. Maybe this is why God reminds us in Deuteronomy 8, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments. God says, you know, someday you're going to have built these houses and you're going to have all this land. Someday you're going to have a field of cattle and you're going to have um, just your crops are going to be growing. And when that happens, don't make the mistake of saying to yourself, I did all of this on my own. It is God who gives you that power to gain any kind of wealth. I want to suggest that God doesn't like leftovers. God makes it clear that the first thing we should do with our money is give thanks to God. If we choose to wait until the end, we will find that we can only give our leftovers. When we give our first fruits, we show that God is the first and foremost in our lives. We are showing we trust in God's provision. Giving a portion of your income is a sign that you trust God. Instead of waiting for everything to turn out okay in order to give, giving something to God is the first thing you do shows that you trust God with the entire process, from the creation of the seed to the planting and the watering to the growing. God is involved in every aspect of this work. 
If we give our first fruits, we are saying, I trust the work you are doing in me, God. I trust the work you are doing with me. I trust the work you are doing through me. I trust the work you're doing in my life. I trust that you're providing for me each and every day. Ultimately, God doesn't really need anything from us. God is the creator of the universe, complete, right? And this is not meant to say that the church needs this from you. Tithing is about what God wants for you. We know that God wants us to be healed and whole and forgiven and at peace and receive salvation. And giving is a small part of that. Through giving, we learn to trust that God is not only caring for us individually, but caring for the larger work of the kingdom of God. Through giving our first fruits, we learn to trust God to provide completely for us, even as the farmer trusts the creator in every step of cultivation toward the harvest. I I will also say that, that Jason can confirm this, that I have been trying really hard to eat the leftovers in the refrigerator, even when I really do not want to. I know it's important because I need to be able to bring my tithe to God. I need to work on prioritizing my life so that God consistently comes first. And you know, I'm not always good at it. I don't always fulfill my commitment to God perfectly. But when I trust God enough to put my faith and a portion of my income where it should be, I receive the blessings of spiritual order, and God becomes real to me again, providing, caring, and giving in ways I am surprised to see. If you are sort of new to tithing, um, or maybe even new to giving a portion of your income, I encourage you to spend some time figuring out what a tithe of your monthly income would be and to give a portion of that tithe this month. If you are new to this process, your goal should be to start small and then try to grow that as you are able. God does not want you to be riddled with guilt, (laughs) not in your life and certainly not from this very short sermon. (laughs) God wants to provide for you. And God is inviting you to start from the beginning setting aside a portion of your income and growing into that commitment with God. If you have been tithing for a long time, maybe many, many years of your life, then this is a time to really think about that practice, re-examine it, see where you are, and see what God is asking you to do in the coming months. Bringing the tithe or a portion of your income to God is not about fulfilling a requirement. It is about what God wants for us and not from us. God's continued message to us is God is faithful each and every step of the way. Amen.